Yeah, my name's Nick. I'm, I'm the curator of the Open Table here. Thank you, Wendy. And uh, <clears throat> tonight we're going to be talking about all things the Open Table. So if this is your first time here, uh, good week to show up because you'll actually understand, hopefully by the end of this thing, a little bit more about who we are and why we exist. So um, I'd like to start by talking about a guy named Clarence Jordan. Uh, it's actually spelled Jordan, but it's pronounced Jordan. It's a, it's a deep south thing. Uh, but he's a man who in the 1940s founded an interracial farm commune in a town called Americus, Georgia. And uh, th this community is pretty incredible because in the height of Jim Crow, uh, this community was formed and in it, people who are black and people who are white lived and worked together as equals. Pretty fantastic. Uh, and as the civil rights struggle started to heat up, though, this place became the target for a whole lot of violence. Their produce stands were blown up by dynamite um, all over town. There were, it was not an uncommon um, evening when they would have to hit the floor in their houses because people would drive by and fire shots into their houses. And a number of folks in and around Americus decided to band together and boycott this community, this community because they disagreed with what they were doing. Now, because of the life that Clarence lived, I put more weight behind his writings in particular. I'm, I'm a sucker for theologians who care deeply about their faith, but then also leave the walls of academia and live it. And that's why I'm so excited about this place in particular, the, the open table. Uh, I love this community because uh, we have the chance to not only think deeply about our faith, but then we also collectively get to figure out how to then go and live it in small, simple ways. And so as we talk about the past, present, and future of the open table, I think it's important to begin with the question of why. Like, why the open table? There are plenty of churches in town. Why another one? Why, why the open table? And to get at the answer of this, I'd love for us to look at a couple parables. Uh, they come from Matthew 13, and it's verses 44 through 46. It's pretty simple. These, these parables are known as the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. So listen as I, as I read these. God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder's ecstatic. What a find, yeah? And proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. Or the kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. So these parables are obviously in reference to the kingdom of God, right? It says the kingdom of God is like yada yada. So we get that. But what, what exactly is the kingdom of God? Like what are its attributes? Like what, what is it about the kingdom of God that led these people to want to sell everything and take part in it? Any, any thoughts? Just think about like uh, any attributes that you've come to know and love about the reality of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Seeking first the kingdom of heaven and its mm -hmm. righteousness. Yep. And it is all love and mm -hmm. all light. Mm -hmm. That's good. So it's, there's uh, selflessness. Um, it's putting the kingdom of God first. 
And we've also got elements of uh, that unconditional love, love, love God and love one another, that commandment that Jesus gave us. Yeah. Any, anything else? Anybody else? Restoration. Restoration? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way Jesus yeah. Yeah. Oh, hang on a second. Let's, Gary? Yep, that's great. Other folks who haven't had a chance to speak. Welcoming. The kingdom of God is welcoming. Inclusive. Peaceful. It's worth pursuing. Yeah, it's special. There's something different about this particular way of living. Anything else? You don't need anything else? <laughs> you don't need anything else. I like that. Done. We, we got it. But th- these are all beautiful things, right? Like this, this gets me excited, and, and we want this, yeah? I mean, we all want the kingdom of God to be here on earth, practiced here on earth as it is in heaven, Yes. And I, I would even go so far as to say in my, in my experience that many folks who don't even share uh, the Christian faith tradition are also down with many aspects of the kingdom of God because it's just good. It's almost objectively good. And these parables speak to the power of this particular kingdom, like this way of life, this peculiar way of relating to one another, to God, and to the world around us. Clarence Jordan, in his commentary on this particular parable, these two parables, he, he goes so far to say that this kingdom is so beautiful that these people can't help but sell everything they have in order to join in and take part. We have the example of two particular individuals who are willing to sell money and possessions to basically have their lives upended in order to take part in the life of the Christian community. And seven years ago, I had uh, a similar experience to the people in these parables. So I, I started uh, by reading a book. <laughs> I've read many books, but this particular book was of special interest to me. I read this book about uh, people, a group of people who put their faith into action, and it excited me. This particular group of people decided to band together because they saw a newspaper headline that talked about a bunch of people who were experiencing homelessness and how they were about to be kicked out of an abandoned Catholic church. And these particular people thought that this was the most anti-Christian thing that could be done, right? Because these very people who Jesus welcomed into the fold 2,000 years ago were now being told that they are not welcomed. And so they snapped into action, and they talked about it, and they wrote about it, and the city of Philadelphia took notice You had people suddenly showing up at this abandoned Catholic church, dropping off food and water, uh, blankets and supplies. You had firefighters who caught wind of uh, uh, an inspection that was going to happen the next day. And so what these firefighters did is they came over and worked all night, making sure that all the fire alarms worked, making sure the sprinkler system worked, make sure that this building was up to code so the city inspector couldn't come by and shut it down based on that. 
So because of all of this work of everyone, because everybody chipped in to help, these people were allowed to stay in that church for a good long while. And this inspired me because, one, it was creative. Two, it was a little, there was a certain element of danger, and that always draws me in. But also, it was so simple, right? Like, they, they saw a headline. They were like, we've got to do something. So they showed up. They got to know the people. And then they did some sort of practical help. They offered some sort of practical help. And in addition to all this, this group of people decided, hey, well, that was fun, but why don't we actually just go ahead and live together now? Like, that was great, but how, how can we have this thing uh, in a more sustainable way? And so they banded together, they pooled their resources, uh, they decided to live in the same house, and they looked for ways that they could help those that many cities want to just sweep under the rug. And after reading about this, I learned about a local place that was doing these very same things, and so I decided to just uh, move in and live there for about five years. Uh, <laughs> So uh, at this place uh, called Cherith Brook Catholic Worker, we shared our incomes, we shared cars, uh, we offered showers to folks who were sleeping on the streets, we occasionally asked them to live with us. I had a couple dozen formerly homeless roommates over the course of the five years. Uh, we gardened, we kept bees, we had chickens, and we also looked for creative ways to speak out against policies uh, that were happening on a city-wide level state level and national level that were going to do nothing but harm those who are already on the margins. And I was brought to life by these readings and these experiences because I'd never heard about faith being described like this. I was used to uh, uh, the kind of faith that was private and compartmentalized and was largely right here and right here, but not something that was lived publicly. And over the, four, over the course of those five years, I, I had the chance to weep with a bunch of my new friends over the loss of people like Wayne, who was an ice cream truck driver and uh, was, was gay, and he was the victim of gun violence that was aimed against the LGBTQ community. Uh, but I also had the chance to laugh, and I have the chance to still laugh, with people like Lydell, who I now have just started calling Arcade Fire, <laughs> because all we talk about is our mutual love for that band. <laughs> and I, I can't wait for the day that Arcade Fire comes so we can go together and I can see him freak out. <laughs> that's, a, that's a personal goal of mine. I was brought to life precisely because my faith was now, uh, now had the chance to be lived out publicly and had the chance to be lived out concretely here and now. So we get to the open table. Two years ago, seven of us began meeting twice a month to figure out how to do this in this context. Seven of us met up to figure out how to create a community that is both a place of talking, of thinking, of contemplation, but is also a place of action. A place where we can come and be reoriented and reinvigorated by the beauty of the kingdom of God and to be a place where that vision can be lived out as well. A place where we can experiment, where we can take small steps into a life that becomes increasingly intertwined with the real life that Christ lived. A life that is characterized by action and contemplation, where outsiders are welcomed in, where the last are told that they'll be first in the kingdom of God, where those who have toiled can find rest, where no one is in need. 
It's a place of justice, of peace, and of love. It's a place where community, hospitality, rest, and beauty can be found. And those last four things that I mentioned are the core values of the open table. Boom. So, <laughs> so the open table was born. Um, we exist to find that balance between action and contemplation. We're interested in how the life of Christ is shaping us in the here and now. We are interested in that space where spirituality and life meet. So we work to create a space that is truly welcoming of everyone, regardless of race, sexuality, socioeconomic status. We work to create a space where no one is in need, a space where divisions melt away, where we can come together as one body, one community, one people. We work to create a space where hospitality and worship can happen at the same time. And this is the why of the open table. And this happens every time we meet, right? Around the table, we talk about that time being communion, right? Where we break bread together. And so when we share pizza and salad and water and coffee and Arnold Palmer's, <laughs> those things become our bread and wine. Those things serve as symbols of how Christ brings us together as one people. It's a reminder of how we, like Christ, are to be broken and then shared as we work in the world for justice and reconciliation. And we gather at the open table to be reminded of the reality of the kingdom of God, to be reminded of the invitation to be co-laborers in the building of this community of faith on earth. So we've been around for a little over a year, and uh, we're excited not only about where we've been, but where we're going. Uh, since we've started, we've had over 50 people volunteer to make this thing happen uh, on Sunday nights, so go you. Uh, we've gone out onto the streets to get to know those who are just north of us, uh, who are sleeping under bridges. Uh, we've grown from a community of seven to a community of 30 to 50 who gather twice monthly. And a number of you guys have contributed in a number of ways, by bringing food to the table, by sharing your ideas of what the open table should be speaking about or what we could do together, uh, by uh, sharing your thoughts during these discussions, uh, and sometimes even standing up here to facilitate these discussions. These are signs of life and health, yeah? And we wanna see that continue into the future at the open table. So in the coming months, we have an opportunity uh, for our community uh, to have the chance to move into a space in the Crossroads neighborhood, which we are super excited about, putting us closer to people from various socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, in addition to that, we're hoping to build on our Mondays at Cherith Brook, uh, which is in our announcements. On Monday mornings, uh, our community is invited to go and participate in the work that I did for five years, where we offer showers to folks who are sleeping on the streets, breakfast, um, and a change of clothes. We're hoping to build on those things by offering more opportunities for us to serve in KC. In addition to that, we're hoping to offer more times for us just to be together, right? Just to hang out, uh, no agenda, just a time for us to laugh and to care for one another. And in order for these things to happen, it'll require something of us, yes? Like that's the way community works. It's not really community if we can just kind of bolt. Um, and in order for communities like this one to continue, it's going to take us collectively offering our time and our resources. As a leadership team, uh, we've discussed a lot about the future of the church and how we don't think it necessarily has to involve uh, maintaining a large structure. <laughs> so uh, we are looking for spaces that would let us partner with them and be in their space for free or to pay a very, very low rent. <laughs> that way it allows us to hopefully, when we pull, up, pull our resources together, to do more 
together, to put food on the table and to give a lot away into the community. And when we come together to share these things, we'll be able to experiment with more ways to live out this way of life modeled by Christ, which is exciting. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So also over the coming months, uh, we're going to be talking about generosity. And what I'd love for us to do is between now and then, I'd love for us to to begin assessing where we feel God is calling us. Um, Maybe God is calling you to be generous with uh, uh, a passion of yours. Maybe there's an idea that's been brewing that you just haven't really shared. Well, that's great. You can share it with us, and we can see what we can do about that. Uh, Maybe God's calling you to be generous with your time. That's also great. Why don't we talk and work together? Uh, Maybe God's calling you to be generous with your finances. I say that's fantastic, because when we pool more resources together, we can do more together. But whatever it is, we just need to recognize that when we catch this vision for God's kingdom and begin to work together, beautiful things can and will happen. But it all starts with a single step. And it started for us when seven people took a step to begin meeting. It continued when this same seven people decided to launch this gathering by helping to lead it. It continued when many of you took a step to show up tonight for the first time or the second time or the 10th time or the 20th time. It continued when you took a step to participate in a variety of ways by bringing food or leading a discussion or helping to set up and tear down. It continued when a group of us took a step to go out onto the streets and to engage with folks who are on the margins. It also continued when my wife and I decided to start financially contributing to the Open Table community. So the Open Table, just just to clear this all up, the Open Table is a new worshiping community, which means, what? What does that mean? It means that we're actually a church plant of Second Pres. So we meet here, yes, we were planted and we have received the blessing of Second Presbyterian Church, but we are our own thing. We get to come up with who we are as a community. That also means that our funding comes from an entirely different source than Second Presbyterian Church. And currently our our budget is broken into two parts. So the first one is 17,000 a year. And that goes towards putting food on the table for us to share. It goes towards service projects that we do out in the community. And it goes towards honorariums and things as folks come and speak and facilitate conversations. The other piece is $68,000 a year, which covers the the salaries of two people. And that's it. We're pretty lean and mean. I don't think you can get much more lean and mean than what we are presently. And we're currently operating like off of grants the majority of which expire in 2018. So we've got a little bit of time to grow together. But we recognize that the next step for our community is figuring out how to grow in our own generosity in whatever way we feel led, so that way this community can be sustained. And that only happens when we as individuals take steps into community. So this past Sunday, I preached at Second Presbyterian Church upstairs, and there was a quote from St. Francis that I thought Uh, that spoke very powerfully to the power of the first step. Uh, And it goes like this. We start by doing what's possible. There's a step. Actually, I messed that up already. (laughs) We start by doing what's necessary, right? And then we do what's possible. And suddenly we find that we're doing the impossible. When we share, when we take a step, when we're generous, suddenly the impossible becomes possible. And I believe that, do it, that God's doing something right here. And I'm excited about the kinds of creative energy that can be unleashed as we look for ways to join in the work of this kingdom building project right here in KCMO. 
So uh, to close here, I'd like to just go take a visit back to Quanania again, uh, Clarence Jordan's community. Earlier I talked about how this community was under lots of pressure to shut down, to call it quits, uh, because all these forces were coming against them. And uh, instead of folding and closing up shop, this community decided to take a collective step. Uh, this, um, this step unleashed the creative power of making the impossible possible. And so what happened was this, after the boycotts uh, had been put in place, this community was running out of money fast. And without money, they couldn't pay their bills, right? You couldn't pay water, electric, uh, heating and cooling. Like this thing, was, this thing was going bad. And they were desperate because uh, they knew that God wanted them to still be there and be the witness that they were being, especially in the time that they were in. And so they got together and they prayed and they took a crazy step, a step that seemed impossible but suddenly became possible. And the idea was this. Because no one was buying their stuff locally, they thought, hey, what would it look like if we collectively uh, sort of looked outside of Americas and looked at the entire U.S. and asked them for support? And I wonder what we could offer in return. And suddenly they hit on something. They decided that they were going to ship nuts all over the place. They grew a ton of pecans and they decided to launch a mail order business. And this mail order business actually worked. Be because of that, they were able to raise enough money that they were able to continue to be a community. And because they were able to continue to be a community, <clears throat> they were able to continue this beautiful witness of equality in a time of inequality. Uh, uh, they were able to be the witness of the kingdom of God in the midst of racism, right? They were able to make the impossible possible. And because they were able to continue as a community, they even practiced uh, enemy love. So as violence was being brought right to their doorstep, they were able to still look on those people and figure out, even though it was hard, how to love and forgive them, even as they were blowing up their produce stands. And they even had some fun despite their situation, which is fantastic. And this is what I always love. This is the creative energy thing. They came up with an ingenious tagline for their product, and it was this. So on every bag of nuts that went out in the mail, the tagline said, help us ship the nuts out of Georgia. <laughs> which is so good, right? It works on a number of levels, you know? It is a nut, but it's also, you know, you, get, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love it because it was playful and creative. Like this community took a step, trusted God, and they weathered the storm. And this is the stuff of the kingdom of God, right? This is the stuff of building that new society in the shell of the old, of getting a taste of the kingdom of God right here on earth. I think it shows the power of the Christian community, a community that takes a step, and suddenly you have an entire city coming to make sure that the homeless remain housed. A community that takes a step and suddenly a crazy mail order business keeps your community afloat. A few people who took a step to give birth to a community called The Open Table. And I'm excited about the next steps that we get to take together. I'm excited for what God may have in store for us. And this life can be difficult, right? Especially when we're a community of one. But thanks be to God that, we, that God has given us one another to share the burden as we walk down the road. Amen? Amen. So, um, that's it. <laughs> um, I'd love some feedback. Like, I wonder, I also love awkward transitions. So, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you guys are part of the core group of the open table, would you go ahead and stand up so we can see who you all are? So there's, there's seven of us, and a number of us are here right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's us. We're all here. 100% attendance. But yeah, so I would, I would, love, I would love some feedback. Um, it could come in a number of ways. Like I, I wonder uh, what kinds of things, what kind of feelings did this bring out in you? Uh, what what uh, kinds of things excited you? Uh, what ideas do you have? What kind of questions do you, that you may have for the open table? We've got a few minutes where we can enter the discussion. I would, and I would love it, just to preface this, I would love it for me, I want to make sure that everybody has a chance to speak. So if you've spoken already, uh, uh, just to be respectful for, of everybody else, just make sure we get as many voices in here as possible. I'd love for you uh, to just take a sit, sit back and relax. <laughs> yes, right there. Yeah, I haven't spoken yet. Yeah, go for it. Okay. That's an excellent question. The question was, why do we need to find another location? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, so the reason, there are a couple reasons for this. There are a couple reasons for this. One, uh, <clears throat> we love this space. This space has been absolutely fantastic. It is perfect for what we've been doing. Um, I, I, I think that uh, where we are located, um, there, there, there is a, I have, we, some of us on the open table leadership team, we, we really want to make sure that uh, we are a place that is accessible to people of a variety of socioeconomic backgrounds. Our location <clears throat> isn't as conducive to folks who are sleeping on the streets as a location in the crossroads is. Because a lot of the social services that used to exist down here have been relocated to downtown. And so because of that, you'll get a, a few folks here and there in the plaza but, uh, and in Westport, but the vast majority of them are in the historic Northeast and downtown, and the river market, and in, in that general re region. And so we, we want to make sure that we are accessible because we want to be that place that welcomes those that a lot of churches don't know what to do with. You know what I mean? Uh, we want to be a place that's welcoming and respects the dignity of all people. So that, that's one of the main reasons. And, and beyond that, like, uh, uh, we, we care a lot about environment and beauty and that kind of thing. And the space that we're looking at, we think is pretty cool looking. So... Who knows if it'll actually happen, but like we're, we're looking around, so that's why. Can I follow that? Yeah. No. Yeah. We love Second Pres. Don't get me wrong. I, I love this place. But, but we, are, we are our own thing. And I think a lot of folks get confused about that, especially because we're meeting in the very place that, of the church that has planted us, that has sent us out to do this work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, say, say that a little bit more. Explain I, so that a little bit more. you're saying something about trying to reach people of different spiritual backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Are you wanting to reach beyond Christianity or <coughs> to bring them into Christianity? Or what's your... Yeah, what's excellent your question. I, I would say that we... Uh, well, now I'm speaking. Really for, I, I can't speak for everybody. But I would say that for me, I'm, I'm a very big fan of respecting everybody's faith traditions. Uh, and I don't want to say that I'm right and you're wrong. 
You know what I mean? Obviously, would I love a bunch of people to come into the fold of the kingdom of God? Yes, absolutely. But we want to be a place that's also welcoming and not super closed off to people who are outside of the Christian faith. Like a good example is we actually have a number of folks who come fairly regularly to this thing who don't claim Christianity as their faith tradition at all. They are Zen Buddhists. But yet they, they, they find enough overlap and they, and they receive something from this space and so they come. And I think that's fantastic. So, I mean, we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're not hiding it. But yet it's, it's accessible enough for people of many different faith traditions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Any other questions, thoughts? Yeah. You'll probably have so much structure very soon that you'll be as big as the girl and boy scouts all over the world. <laughs> Thank you. I want to be as big as the girl scouts and the boy scouts. That's great. As, especially if we get cookies. Yes. Cookies and teach me how to tie knots because I always forget. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah I think movies great. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. The daily openness of the facility mm-hmm. would be important because people's needs don't always come. So yes. Do you foresee yourself as your office moving there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's an excellent question. So you're, you're, the, the question was, I don't know if everybody heard it, but uh, the question was basically, so if we're moving, are we, is our goal to be open all the time? Are we going to be staffed over there? Like, because the, the thing that is happening at Second is we have people here pretty much all the time. So if folks come in with needs, uh, if, if we're able to, we try to meet those needs. And the answer is yes, question mark. So, so yeah, so basically as it stands right now, like our goal, uh, one of the things that we've visioned together as a community and yearly, uh, we, we try to do information gathering things like a big brainstorm session. Uh, we had one back in fe- February at our, uh, during our one year uh, anniversary where we invite uh, feedback from folks where we're trying to get people's ideas like where, where are we most excited and, and how, can we, how can we get there. And so we had one of those and, and something that's been true ever since we started is we've talked about how we want to be a place that is open way more than just twice a month. And so our goal is to still do that, um, but in, until we have folks who are wanting to be there during certain parts of the day, we're gonna we're gonna be limited. And so that, but that's something that we want to grow into for sure, because because we want to be a place that is that is welcoming, a place that is open. And we've talked about a number of different things that we we could potentially offer. Volunteers. Yeah. Being there during the week. Or- mm-hmm. Volunteers. People who we're able to pay if, if we're offering some sort of good, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we've talked about like social entrepreneurship stuff, so that like ideas are there, uh, but but um, it, it just requires a little bit of effort to to get there, and so until we build up our capacity, like we're doing what we can do now, and that that's our initial step, but we're we're hoping to take more and more and more. So suddenly we're doing things that we thought that sounded crazy right now, you know, but then in a couple of years we're like, oh, well, this is just normal. We're just doing this. 
But for people on the outside, it may look like, wow, you guys are doing something so radical. But for us, we've been in it for a while, and we just slowly take these steps, and we're like, okay, 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 yeah, this is pretty great. And it seems very normal for us because we've been in it. You know what I mean? So. Any other questions? We got enough for time for like maybe one or two more. Oh yeah, go for it. Um, about a year ago, I heard a person who had been in foster care speaking about some of the problems, especially when people age out of foster care. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought, wouldn't it be neat if, if a church had, you know, once a month or once a week, a, a dinner or something, and offered friendship? So on the way over here, I thought, wow, you've got the structure already, you know. So I'm just uh, suggesting that maybe yeah that's a fantastic idea thank you. yeah <laughs> thank you oh, I, I try <laughs> that's so good I think that's great that would be good we have we have not thought about that but yeah we are we are set up well for that so are you the pastor I am the curator <laughs> I've not set foot in a seminary but I've read a number of theology books so I can't claim the role I, I would yeah, yeah. <laughs> done. Done. You tell me and you're in. Okay. <laughs> are, are we starting committees because I'm out? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Would you, would you like to say more about being curator? Like, what, what does that mean? Okay, yeah. So curator... When he doesn't know. When he doesn't know what curation is. So basically, the, the idea behind the open table is we have a number, we want to hear from a number of different voices to get a number of different perspectives. And so because of that, we, we have some consistent faces that can act as... Uh, people who will care for the community and set up the vibe and all that. But um, other than that, we, we want to make sure that we're hearing from a number of different teachers and facilitators. And so that's our model. And so because of that, uh, because we're curating a space, curating cooking food, <laughs> picking the menu, uh, having the band work on tunes, and setting up the spaces and bringing in people to facilitate conversations, those all things fall under the label of <coughs> curation. Oh, that's it. So, so that's, that's where the title comes from. Plus, it just sounds pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that, that's like a, uh, so the question was, are we going to be able to procure a place with a kitchen? That is a must-have for us, and the place that we're looking at has a kitchen. Is it commercial? No. Is it the size of kitchen that you would find in any bungalows near here? Yes. <laughs> But it's a kitchen nonetheless, and we would be able to, to make that work, I think. Cool. Um, so I, I want to be respectful of our 8 o'clock cutoff time. So um, I just have one last word for us, and then we'll say a prayer together. So uh, tonight we talked about taking a step, be it with finances or with time. Uh, we, and we'd love for you to consider taking a step with us. If you've uh, never come to the open table, and this is your first time, Hey, thanks. I would love for, for you to consider coming back again. <laughs> so that's, that's something you could do. Uh, if, you, if you've been coming for a while uh, and you haven't given to the open table, we'd love for you to consider making a first-time donation. If uh, you've been coming to the open table uh, and you haven't uh, uh, helped have a party with us as we cook and set up the spaces, we'd love for you to consider signing up. And there are plenty of ways to, to get involved with this community. Um, if you want to give uh, financially to the open table, again, as Wendy said, at our welcome table, there's a blue box, uh, and you can give that way. Um, if you want to volunteer with us, 
uh, we have these little cards that say get involved and you're more than welcome to fill them out and also place them in the blue box. Also, because uh, technology is a thing, uh, you can also give online, uh, not online, on your phone, <laughs> uh, soon to be online. Um, you can give on your phone by texting the word give to this number, 816-656-3310. You can also serve by texting the word serve to, again, that same number, 816-656-3310. And that info is on the announcements side of your bulletins. Um, so just a couple things for us to remember. One, I, I want us to remember that we all have something to offer and that we can definitely do more together than we can apart. And I also want us to remember that our generosity flows when we catch the vision for the kingdom of God and we feel compelled to join in, just like the jewel merchant and that other guy. <laughs> so um, just as a closing announcement, um, we'd love for you to join us next time because we're, we're going to be beginning a five-week series on politics. Hey, that's timely, yeah? <laughs> uh, so uh, the next time we meet, which uh, is printed in your bulletin, we're going to be, the, the title of it is Shedding Our Political Baggage. We realize that as we get into this series, this is like politics, religion, and money are like the big three, right? That we're, we're told to keep very private and don't go there, uh, or else you're, you're going to be experiencing my defensive mechanisms kicking in. And so we want to try to unpack that and, and understand like where, where we get some of our defensive feelings from. And we're also going to be looking at more attributes of the kingdom of God so we can understand the political reality of the way that the people of God organize, right? So that's going to be our next week's series, and we're super, super excited for it. We'd love for you to be here for all of them. It's going to be a fantastic series. So uh, let's close with a prayer, shall we? Uh, this prayer comes from another Christian who not only thought deeply about his faith, but then walked the walk. This prayer comes from Archbishop Oscar Romero, uh, who is a Catholic priest who in the 70s and 80s in El Salvador worked to organize the poor in a time in that country when equality was really wide. <laughs> there was a big difference between those who had and those who had not. And this person, Oscar Romero, ended up be, being assassinated because of his work organizing the poor. So this is really legit stuff, and it's really powerful for me. And this prayer is called A Step Along the Way. So why don't we close our eyes and, and uh, make this our collective prayer tonight. It helps now and then to take a step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. 
We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there's a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen.